all this feeds back into places that we've been before, and especially the notion of a final solution. To ask the question what precisely it is about the new that so offends and indeed terrifies totalitarian regimes, although my usual health warning about the fact that this finger-pointing should also be a matter of pointing at our own thinking on this subject, we shouldn't feel too self-righteous about our liberal democracies after all, but the offending and terrifying aspects of newness suggest, indeed they demonstrate, that whatever they arise from isn't the last part of the story, isn't the end of the story, isn't the end of the revolution. And so it may be, albeit perhaps only at an instinctive level, that those who want to see their revolution as the revolution that ends all revolutions, and there is a particular thread to this effect, not just in Marxism, but in Marx's own thought, he thought that he was just accelerating a final revolution that would bring about an egalitarian world from which no revolution would ever need to free us. There is in particular a th this notion that there is a revolution to end all revolutions and every revolutionary, you can see this in the civil war in England, you can see it in the French Revolution, you can see it in the Russian Revolution and I'm sure you can see it uh, in the People's Republic of China and Mao and the Long March and all that, the idea that we have now reached a state which is final, it is optimal, it is the best state there can possibly be. And no doubt the Nazis, with their talk about the Third Reich that would last a thousand years, had pretty much the same notion. And so anything that doesn't comply with the prevailing thinking of whatever system it is in which it arises, whatever, in other words, that doesn't emerge as a radical newness from what is supposed to be this final state of the human condition, is a challenge to it. Music that doesn't comply with established standards or taste challenges established standards and taste. The same is true of art. The same is true of literature, of philosophy, and even, of course, of religion. And certainly, it's true of science, although the history of science isn't quite as littered with the murder and execution of new thinking as much of the rest of human activity. But we can certainly find plenty of it. Read the harrowing story of the way Kronika persecuted uh, Cantor and you can get a good measure of it. So, revolutions that see themselves as the revolution that ends all revolution will see themselves as ushering in a final 
perfect state for humanity. A final state that nothing could ever either supplant or need to supplant and against which anything that constitutes a challenge is seen as retrograde, as counter-revolutionary, as an attempt to turn the clock back and reinstate something that the revolution itself has banished, it hopes, forever. So the vehemence with which new ideas, and not just ideas as expressed in words, but ideas as expressed in music that doesn't conform, in art that doesn't conform, in everything that doesn't conform to the prevailing suffocating standards of the revolution that is the end of history, anything like that has to be suppressed, and in particular, the people who produce it must be suppressed either by being neutralized or by being silenced or by being sent to a gulag in Siberia or some concentration camp somewhere. Those who don't comply are a danger to the system that the system cannot countenance because it cannot accept that it is but a stage in the great journey of human history, as, of course, all systems are, including this one.